Welcome, welcome. And I'm back. It's a taste to consider podcast. I am your host, Derek Silver. And I'm back. Not as a not as as a enthusiastic as I normally am. I got a little bit of a bit of taste in my mouth. A lot going on in the world these days. So much besides the coronavirus that's going on. Ah, such a bit of taste, such a bit of taste in my mouth. I just want y'all to bear with me this episode. Um, I'm going to be playing a number of clips this episode. Um, and I just ask that you just be patient and just sit with me for a few minutes and take in all this that I'm going to talk about, all the clips that I'm going to play. You know, it's just a whole bunch. Well, let me start off with the first clip. To the root, we have to go to the cause. Dealing with the condition itself is not enough. And it is because of our effort toward getting straight to the root that people oftentimes think we are dealing in hate. We are oppressed. We are exploited. We are downtrodden. We are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against the common enemy. And that was the first clip. That was the late and great Malcolm X. And by that clip, I'm sure you can probably figure out what I'm going to be discussing today. Like I said, it's a lot going on in the world. And I definitely have a bit of taste in my mouth. Definitely a bit of taste in my mouth. You know, we got the the killings, the murders of Ahmad Arbery, rest in peace. The killing and murder of Breonna Taylor, rest in peace. The killing and murder of George Floyd, rest in peace. And rest in peace to all the other black males and females who have lost their life because of racism, white supremacy, bigotry, prejudice, whatever. You know, hate. And it's, it's, it's just crazy, you know? It's, it's crazy what is going on in the middle of a pandemic. Like, the past couple of weeks, I forgot we was going through a pandemic. Not that it was even concerning me from the jump, but I definitely forgot about it because of all that's been going on with the the murders of, you know, our brothers and sisters. It's, it's, it's hard to deal with, you know? And it had me just going back and thinking and thinking about stuff that I read, thinking about conversations that I had with other people about being black, um, 
in this country. And a lot of the videos, documentaries and stuff that I've watched and one thing that kept resonating in my mind when I was thinking or whatever was, you know, blacks, you know, so-called blacks as we are in this country, we have no stand in that law. We have no stand in that law. It's, it's, <laughs> it's frustrating. We have no standing at law, you know? I just got to take a deep breath on that. But let me let me start out how I normally start out with the uh with the podcast. Um what I'm drinking, I'm drinking some Hennessy and the cigar that I'm smoking uh this episode is uh Drew Estate Gourmet Blended Cigar. It's a mini cigar. It's a case of them. Um Lauritan Drew Estate. Um, it's in the little case, and they got like ten cigars in it, mini cigars. Um, yeah, that's what I'm smoking and drinking this episode. But yeah, so back to what I was saying. You know, black people, we have no standing at law, and this goes back to the Drew Scott decision, and. One of the interesting things that, you know, I read about this was, you know, let me start out by just going into a specific, um, a specific quote that was part of the Drea Scott decision. And it said, the ruling was that blacks, quote, had no rights which the white man was bound to respect, end quote. That was part of the Dred Scott decision. And a, a, another interesting thing about the whole Dred Scott decision and the amendments that we have in place was that one thing that we have to realize is that with the Dred Scott decision, it hasn't never been directly overturned by the Supreme Court. It's never been overturned by the Supreme Court. And that was back in 1857. 1857. And you know we had the, the uh, 13th Amendment passed in 1865. And you know we had the, the 14th Amendment in 1868. And the 14th Amendment was supposed to give so-called black people our rights and citizenship in this country. But does that really matter when the Dred Scott decision has never directly been overturned? And what's crazy about that is all this information is out there, but we failed to pay attention to it. Clear example. Back in 2015, a Republican presidential candidate, Mike Huckabee, came out and said that the Dred Scott decision 
which ruled that people of African race are not U.S. citizens, is still the law of the land. So if this if this dude thought that back in 2015 and he was a presidential candidate, what makes you think that other people who are in political positions or running for political office don't think the same thing? He actually thinks that. This was 2015, we're in 2020. And in 2015, he thought that. This was from 1857 when the Supreme Court ruled on this decision. And he still thought that that was the law of the land. They claimed that, the, that it was overruled by the 14th Amendment, but it's hard to see that when it's still standing in law because of that decision, the Dre Scott decision. <laughs> Man. This is his direct quote. The Dred Scott decision of 1857 still remains to this day the law of the land, which says that black people aren't fully human. <laughs> this was a presidential candidate in 2015. Just take that in for a minute. Presidential candidate said that it was still the law of the land. So how was he really looking at, you know, so-called black people back then? And this was a presidential candidate. This was somebody we was looking to run the lane. So if he thinks that, what, what makes you think that Trump don't think the same thing? He sure acts like it, that these congressmen don't think the same thing, that these governors, these mayors, these city councilmen and stuff don't think the same thing. It's crazy. Clear example that people still think that this is the law of the land. So it makes sense that they're just so freely out here killing us like they are. <laughs> and why, when these situations happen, these governors, these mayors, these city councilmen and stuff don't, don't really be jumping to get these people prosecuted, these DAs and stuff. This is the law of the land for some of these people. Crazy. And the interesting thing, when I started to look more into, you know, about blacks um, having no standing at law and stuff, I kept seeing something on the internet popping up about Obama even saying something about it back in 2008 in an interview that he did on the Tom Join the Morning Show. Of course, I couldn't find the interview. All the, all the searching I did, I could never find the interview. But people kept quoting it. I kept seeing people quote it on different sites that was on the internet. So you can do your own research. But 
we just got to think about that we always be talking about, excuse me, you know, as black people and stuff, we talk about freedom, 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 and stuff like that. But we got to realize what this country was built on. How, you know, they looked at us as not being human. They, you know, painted a picture, a narrative of us being savages and stuff like that. How how they doing it even today, you know, with like thinking about the current situation that's happening in Minnesota with the the quote unquote rioting and eluding and stuff like that, that we're savages with thugs and all this other stuff. But where do we learn this from? This country was built off of systematic racism, white supremacy, rioting, looting, stealing, killing and taken from black people. There's no way that we can actually look at things being us having freedom or anything like that when this is what the country was built on. It's in the Constitution. You can go right now. I can take a 20-minute drive down to the National Archives and look at it in glass and see it right there. And we thinking that these <laughs> these amendments, these laws or whatever supposed to protect us, but when they were created, written, signed, what were, what were we? We were less than human. We were property. It's, it's to the point where we got to stop looking for these laws, these amendments and stuff to save us. This stuff needs to be all broken down and built back up. And these, all this stuff needs to be rewritten, everything. It's crazy. Taking a couple of puffs and taking a breath at the same time. Cause like I said, I got a bitter taste in my mouth. I ain't, I'm not even enjoying the cigar or this drink. I got a bitter taste in my mouth. Okay. I'm going to go to another clip. Expect people who came to invade us to write the truth about us. They will always write negative things about us. And they have to do that because they have to justify their invasion. We don't write our history. It has always been handed down to us orally by our elders. Of course, the white man came and he writes history. In fact, you don't know anything about any place until the white man gets there. Until the white man comes to any place, nothing lives. It's only when he comes and says, boof, I've discovered you, now you exist, which is ridiculous. 
Yeah, and that that person in that clip was Miriam Makemba. And I'm gonna play another one for you. It all ties in together, these clips. Let me get to it. Just bear with me, because it's a it's a few clips I got, so I got all these tabs open in my phone and I gotta get to them. Just bear with me. You know, you try to have things set up when it's time to <laughs> to do stuff and you know you run into glitches. But I appreciate all y'all for, you know, being patient, sticking with me. Don't forget to check out the Unproductive and Unapologetic podcast. We got a new episode up. Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. Just Google it. But those are the main places. Check us out. We got a new episode up. Aborigine, which means what? Black folks. You never find a white aborigine. Aborigines are called natives, or they're always dark-skinned people. You and I are aborigines, but you don't let them be called aborigines. Aborigines. All right, that was Malcolm X. And if you had trouble hearing, he was saying, you know, black people are aborigines. And all these clips that I've played, you can go on YouTube and find them and stuff, you know. But this is the last clip that I'm going to play that ties into everything. Just bad. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? What was your name? It couldn't have been Smith or Jones or Bunch or Powell. That wasn't your name. They don't have those kind of names where you and I came from. No, what was your name? And why don't you now know what your name was then? Where did it go? Where did you lose it? Who took it? And how did he take it? What tongue did you speak? How did the man take your tongue? Where is your history? How did the man wipe out your history? How did the man, what did the man do to make you as dumb as you are right now? And that was Malcolm X once again. And I remember being a little kid and, you know, always being told by my dad and stuff that, you know, um, my great-grandmother who was alive at the time, my grandfather and my family and stuff like that were Native Americans that, you know, we were Indians. And <clears throat> most recently in the past couple of years, I uh, had those, you know, things said to me about my mother's side of the family. And one thing that I've been putting more of my energy in, into is being more, uh, having more knowledge of where I came from, who my family was, and, you know, uh, who we were, 
And it started to come up even more this year because of, you know, us having to fill out the census and stuff like that. And it 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 frustrates me because as you heard in the first clip from Miriam McKeeba, McKimba, was that, you know, the white people that came to our lands, whether it be in America, in the Caribbeans, over in Africa, wherever, all over. Because all the research that you you can do on the internet, you will find that there are black people in every country and that originated in every country. But specifically to us in America is that the majority of the so-called black people that's in America now, their ancestors didn't come from Africa. And you will find if you look up old census records of family members and stuff like that, depending on the, the year that their race was, wasn't black. You know, it, it, it was, it was it's black now, African-American, it was once Negro, Afro-American. Um, you'll have Creole, whatever. And I remember going through my family tree on Ancestry.com and stuff like that, and particularly my great-grandmother on my dad's side. One year, I saw when they had her written down as a mulatto. One year, I, I believe it was a Creole. Then it, it jumped to Negro. And it's a particular person that I follow on YouTube and Instagram. His name is Dane Calloway. And his handle on Instagram is I'm here, I'm just here to make you think. And I follow a couple of other people on Instagram that specifically put their focus on Aboriginal native um ancestry and stuff like that. And you know. One of the things that I think that we have an issue with when it comes to so-called blacks is we not knowing where we come from, our true lineage, and what what we have an actual right to. And a lot of us come from, a lot of us originated in this land, America, and we don't know that. You know, a lot of people, we take these DNA tests and stuff like that, the Ancestry.com, the one, 100 Me some one, two, three, me DNA test or whatever it is, and they come back and you'll see Africa and West Africa, Nigeria, and all this other stuff. And them things are totally false. They did actual um, news reports on these DNA tests and how inaccurate that they were. You can't even test a person's DNA and find out where they actually come from, what, what actual land that they come from. The owners of the, the corporations actually came out and said, yeah, they aren't accurate. You can look this up. And I'm just on here just to give you information. This is for you, whether you take it in and look it up or not. I can't give you the whole kit and caboodle because I don't know it all. I'm just giving you what I know, and I'm just here to spark something so you can do your own research. But I feel like all this stuff ties together. The the current day lynchings that, that is happening the the 
the so-called laws from four, five hundred years ago that mean shit to us, but we think they do. And now this race, nationality, ethnicity stuff that's going on. We don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. And when it comes to the first clip that I played, we're going off of, we we already know by now that we shouldn't trust any stories that come from the, excuse me, how can I say this? The winners, the thieves of the war. We call, we always, it was interesting because I recently saw, I think it was last night, I saw a clip that Jada Pinkett did, and she said, um, the first thing she started out as far as us being black and in the miracles that we were slaves. We we didn't start out as slaves. No, we didn't. We were here before the so-called discovery of the Americas. Why is it that Brazil is the second largest nation in the world of black people? You think they actually shipped all those black people to the Caribbeans, to the Americas, in the span of 20 years? In that, in that journey on a, a pretty much a big-ass sailboat? Come on now. If that was the actual case, they would still be shipping so-called slaves to this day. And then the amount of people that they claim died, that would have died on these ships, and that they would have got the amount of people that they actually had from Africa to the Americas to the Caribbeans. Come on now. And, and it's not to be to be funny or anything like that, but not every black person that's in America look as though they have African features. Not to say that they don't come, that they couldn't have came from Africa, but we gotta be kind of smart with this and try to use our own thinking and stop listening to the people who's telling these stories to us since we were kids. Because it, like I said, for, for the longest, I was being told that my ancestry was Native American for years from my family. Get into school, you learn slave, 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 slave. So then I'm starting to think, well, maybe I'm from Africa. Not to say that I'm not, who knows? But one thing that was pointed out in that first clip was when it comes to our story, our history, his story, that we get that passed down through family members. We don't get that from the white man. We don't get that from the white supremacists. We don't get that from the winners of the war because they'll have us thinking that, you know, we just laid down and we were captured. But you can look up, look up, this is the one thing I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to look up a lot of things. I mean, if, if you in the space of expanding your mind and really wanting to know the truth and wanting to 
combat the things that's coming towards us, I would expect you to look it up. But look up the Seminole War. Actually, look up the Seminole War. And you will learn a lot about what they claim that we just laid down and were captured. We didn't lay down and were captured. Majority of the slaves were prisoners of war. And one thing that I always find interesting is when they speak of Nat Turner and stuff like that, and then they talk about how when he was on the run after his revolt, he actually hid with Native Americans, and they couldn't find him when they was going, you know, throughout searching for him in these Native American tribes and stuff. Why couldn't they find him? Because he looked just like him. I mean, come on now. I mean, it's just a lot of things that we got to, and I'm not even going to call it common sense because all sense isn't common. But we got to stop believing everything that we're being told being told by the media, being told by white supremacists, you know, the people that's in power. We have, we're in the age, we're in the information age. It's so easy just to find things. It's just hard to think that, you know, we would just lay down and just believe what we're being told now. That got to stop. That got to stop. <sighs> All right, let me take another breath. <laughs> oh, man, let me take another breath. Yeah, because I just get a little frustrated and heated. Because I used to be, when I was young, I used to be uh, real big into history, African-American history, black history, whatever you want to call it. And... I was just always just set in and focused, had tunnel vision on what was actually being told to me, you know, whether it's in school, you know, um, what books we were given and stuff like that. But it's it's crazy how in the past eight years, how I find out that it's so much information out here about us so-called blacks, us aborigines, us natives, us black people, you know, that they don't want us to know. I remember, it's this one book, I forgot the name of it. I think it was, I think it's called We Were Here Before Them or something like that. The book is like a thousand dollars. It's on, it's online somewhere. And it's crazy because this, that type of information they don't want you to have. Take a couple of puffs. Like I said, I got a bitter taste in my mouth. <laughs> I got a bitter taste in my mouth. I'm taking these puffs and I'm looking on the wall and I see the, the people that's on the wall. Got Muhammad Ali, got Tupac, I got Bob Marley behind me. <clears throat> and these why I got these people on my wall, because these people that I admire, people that wasn't afraid to speak up and to fight for, you know, what was right, you know, with the crazy stuff that's going on against us. I'll soon enough have Malcolm X on the wall whenever I can find a good enough poster. Uh, I'm looking at my list right now and just going through my outline. 
Let me get this next clip going. Uh, here we go. You know, this lead me to say, you know, all of the burning and bombing that was done to us and the houses, nobody never said too much about that, and nothing was done. But let something be burned, you know, by a black man. And then, my God, you know, you see, the flag is, is drenched with our blood. Because, you see, so many of our ancestors was killed because we have never accepted slavery. We had to live on it, but we've never wanted it. So we know that this flag is drenched with our blood. So what the young people are saying now, give us a chance to be young men, respected as a man, as we know this country was built on the black backs of black people across this country. And that was a clip from Fannie Lou Hamer. <clears throat> Powerful people. I love my people, man. I love my people. All right, I'm going to uh, play another clip that ties into this. In this hotel room, they have food every day. And I'm knocking on the door every day to eat. And they tell, and they open the door, let me see the, the party. Let me see, like, them throwing salami all over the... I mean, just, like, throwing food around. Where they're telling me there's no food in here. You know what I'm saying? Every day, I'm standing outside trying to sing my way in. You know what I'm saying? We are hungry, please let us in. We are hungry, please let us in. After about a week, that song is going to change the, we hungry, we need some food. After two, three weeks, it's like, you know, give me all the food, we're breaking out the door. And after a year, and you just like, you know what I'm saying? I'm picking the lock, coming through the door, blasting, you know what I'm saying? It's like you hungry, you reached your level, you don't want any more. We asked 10 years ago. We was asking with the Panthers. We was asking with them, you know, the civil rights movement. We was asking, you know, now, that those people that were asking, they're all dead and in jail. So now, what do you think we're going to do? Ask. <laughs> That's my man, the late, great Tupac Shakur. <laughs> I love him. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, one of the interesting things about um, Tupac and his mantra or moniker was Thug Life and... It was an acronym to Tupac, and the meaning of it was the hate you gave little infants fucked everybody. <clears throat> and how powerful is that? And both them clips basically summed up, excuse me, that acronym. The hate you gave little infants fucked everybody. So, you know, you got the media, you got politicians, you got Trump out here tweeting and all this other stuff, these thugs, these thugs, these thugs. That bullshit. This ain't riding, this ain't looting. This is a rebellion. And black people, so-called black people, need to see it as such. And we need to label it as such. When we speak about it, that's what we need to call it, a rebellion. Because we angry. Those people out there are angry. They're frustrated. They're tired. It's easy for the media, excuse me, these politicians, 
these racists, these bigots, to conveniently call it rioting, call it looting, when it comes to us doing it. But, you know, it's such massive hate and disdain towards it when we do it. <clears throat> but when they do it, it's all in celebration and stuff. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. We've seen plenty times, plenty examples of white people riding because they won a basketball game or they lost a soccer game or what the hell ever. And they riot the streets, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, even the fact of, you know, if we want to call it, call this a protest. You got the police out there tear gassing us, beating us, arresting us. But when white people have been doing it because of the coronavirus and the things being shut down, they walk in the streets with AR-15s, all types of guns, armed to the T, ready for war, standing in front of government buildings. And the police just standing there looking at them, not arresting them, not beating them, nothing. I mean, come on now. I mean, like... This crap is crazy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's interesting because the president, Trump, he put out a tweet, um, and it said, I think it was yesterday or today, it said, these thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd, and I won't let that happen. Just spoke to the governor, Tim Walsh, and told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty, and we will assume control. But when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Thank you. Key word. And, and Twitter even highlighted this as it being against their bylaws. They didn't, they didn't delete the tweet, but they put a warning up for this specific phrase right here. The looting starts when the shooting starts. <laughs> but... But back on May 1st, when, like I said, the white people were armed to the T and protest, doing their protests, this is what he tweeted. The governor of Michi Michigan should give a little and put out the fire. These are very good people, but they are angry. They want their lives back again safely. See them, talk to them, make a deal. Kind of bullshit is that? <laughs> Come on, I mean, it's like I don't even have to say this stuff. We know these as a as a so-called black person in America, we see this. And and let me let me say this right quick. We got to stop saying this people of color crap, because even though other communities of color may be discriminated against, it's nowhere near how we are discriminated against. We are by ourselves. They don't stand up for us in these times of need. We got to stop saying people of color. We got to stop saying minorities. We are black people in this country. We are perceived and looked at and classified as black people in this country. 
stop using this people of color and minority crap because they don't care about us. They even they even look at us a certain way. They look at they look at us as they are better than us. Excuse me for a second. <coughs> getting a little frustrated. My my throat my throat getting a little little tickled. Yeah, but that was that was Trump's tweet. So <laughs> I mean, it's like what do we expect? And then we got the presidential election coming up. We got Trump on one side. We got Biden on the other side. And you still got so-called black people championing Joe Biden. We need to stop putting so much focus on presidential elections and put more focus on these local elections, these governors, these senators, these city councilmen, these mayors, because they directly affect, especially in situations like this, when it comes to the coronavirus and when it comes to us looking for justice for the killings and murders of black people. Because you are, we already have so many examples when it comes to the coronavirus, how they don't, give a, they don't even give a fuck about the federal government. They gonna open up when they wanna open up, they gonna do what they wanna do. And they doing the same thing when we get into these situations with so-called black people getting killed. So-called black people getting killed, so-called black people getting murdered, everything. <clears throat> and I know y'all probably like, why he keep saying so-called black people? Well, I'm doing the same thing that Malcolm did when he used to say so-called Negroes. Because he even had to learn that we weren't Negroes. We are not Negroes. We aren't black. We are African Americans. We are Aborigines. We are Aboriginal to the this land, this land of America. Black has no standing at law. It has been proven. And let me play a little clip of our favorite Joe Biden, just because he's still with Obama. And that's another story, but I ain't even going to go into that. And this this is a clip of Joe Biden uh, in 1993 in the speech when he warned of, quote unquote, predators on our streets. Coronavirus. Stay in my bad, that was, you know, the ads come up when you try to play videos or whatever. But at least it was something relevant to <laughs> what's going on today, the coronavirus. Excuse this, you know, the glitches. But, yeah. All right, the clip is about to come up. And I'm going to cue it up. Here we go. Here we go. Streets. It doesn't matter whether or not the person that is accosting your son or daughter or my son or daughter, my wife, your husband, my mother, your parents, it doesn't matter whether or not they were deprived as a youth. It doesn't matter or not whether or not they had no background that enabled them to have to uh, become a, a social, uh, become socialize into the fabric of society. It doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society. The end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe, shoot my sister, beat up my wife, 
take on my sons. So I don't want to ask what made them do this. They must be taken off the street. That's number one. There's a consensus on that. Unless we do something about that cadre of young people, tens of thousands of them, born out of wedlock, without parents, without supervision, without any structure, without any conscience developing, because they literally, I yield myself three more minutes, because they literally have not been socialized. They literally have not had an opportunity. We should focus on them now. If we don't, they will, or a portion of them will, become the predators 15 years from now. And Madam President, we have predators on our streets that society has, in fact, in part because of its neglect, created. Again, it does not mean because we created them that we somehow forgive them or do not take them out of society to protect my family and yours from them. They are beyond the pale, many of those people. Beyond the pale. And it's a sad commentary on society. We have no choice but to take them out of society. And the truth is, we don't very well know how to rehabilitate them at that point. That's the sad truth. I'm the guy that said rehabilitation. When it occurs, we don't understand it and notice it. And when we, even when we notice it and we know it occurs, we don't know why. So you cannot make rehabilitation a condition for release. That's why in our system, there's the federal system, you serve 85% of your time. It's a shame, but we don't know how to rehabilitate. But there is a consensus, and I will cease. A, we must make the streets safer. I don't care why someone is a malefactor in society. I don't care why someone is antisocial. I don't care why they become a sociopath. We have an obligation to cordon them off from the rest of society, try to help them, try to change the behavior. That's why we do in this bill. We have drug treatment and we have other treatments to try to deal with it. But they are in jail. Away from my mother, your husband, our families. But we would be being, we would be absolutely stupid as a society if we didn't recognize the condition that nurtured. I'm tired of hearing him talk. <clears throat> but it's interesting, and this was back in 93, you know, this is around a crime bill time or whatever. You know, Joe Biden has been in the news lately when he did that interview with <clears throat> Charlemagne the God on the Breakfast Club and how he said, you ain't black if you voting for Trump. <laughs> so, you know, this is this is their, their thinking. You know, the, the politicians, particularly the Democrats, their thinking is, you know, we got the the black people in our hands. You know, they, they loyal to us. They always going to vote for us. We ain't got to really worry about doing anything for them. They're not going to demand anything anyway. So we ain't got to do nothing for them because we always got them in our pockets. You know, you ain't black if you don't vote for a Democrat. Shoot. If 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 that's their thinking, and we already know our thinking, how we how we get on black Republicans and stuff. And and I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm neither or. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a registered independent. <laughs> I'm an independent because I don't... I, I did that probably a few years ago because I got tired of, of this situation right here where them thinking that 
we just lower you to them or whatever. I'm not lower you to nobody but the views that are in place and that's going to benefit our people. And even when he was talking, he was like, you know, we got to get these people off the street. We got to get them out of society. And he didn't say put them in jail. He said we got to get them out of society. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a green light to kill us. And I've always felt like over the past few years that there's been a a, a secret alert out on to, to just kill us, to get us about out of here. That's how I always felt. And then you heard the part when he said once you get them out of society that you you can't rehabilitate them. There's no point in rehabilitating them. You know, prison is big business. You know, certain towns, they're running off their prisons. It'd be a, a whole town, and in the middle of it, it'd be a whole, it'd be a prison sitting there, and that prison is funding that whole town. All the people who live in that town work there and everything. Prison is big business. It's on is on the stock exchange. I mean, come on. This stuff is out here for us to find. It's, it's, it's frustrating because a lot of so-called black people just be focused on the wrong things, but when we get into situations right here, then that's when our focus be on what it should be. And one, a couple of weeks from now, it'll go away, and then it'll wait till, we'll wait till another one of us get killed or something like that. I mean, it's it's sad, man. And it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Very frustrating. So it's like, am I supposed to vote for Biden because he's the, the so-called lesser of two evils? Man, F that. That's why I say we need to be focused on the local elections. The senators, state senators, the governors, the mayors, the city councilmen, because that's what really benefits. Because when you look at it, like I already said, like they don't even care about the federal, these states don't even care about the federal government, especially the southern states. They don't care. A lot of these states want to do what they want to do. And that goes all the way, and that's just reoccurring stuff going back to the Civil War and what the Civil War was based off of. All this stuff is based off of, of, as Malcolm X said in the first clip that I played on the show, is the root. It's the root. It is the root. Systematic racism. We always want to focus on the, the conditions when those particular incidents arise. But we never focus on the root. I'm going to play one more clip for y'all. Here we go. Even admit it, I don't live in that neighborhood anymore. There's no real reason for you to carry a 9mm. Don't believe that. Why? In, in two years, I've had a gun pulled on me by my limo driver, by police, by everybody. You know what I'm saying? And I better be. I better be. You know what I'm saying? I've been attacked. You ain't read the papers about these skinheads trying to blow up black churches. Why? They see me as the enemy just like y'all do. You know what I'm saying? They can come to my house and sit outside my house just like anybody else can. A skinhead. And once my life is gone, it's gone. 
Can't nobody give it back to me. Not the judge, not the president, not the governor, not Calvin Butts, not Jesse Jackson. They can't do nothing but come to my funeral and talk pretty about how black people suffer. You understand? Talk pretty about how black people suffer. That was my man, the late great Tupac Shakur. <clears throat> Interesting story about Tupac was, I don't remember what year it was. I don't know if it was 93 or 94, but it, it happened in Atlanta. Um, Tupac was riding in a limo, and he saw this black dude being harassed by these two white dudes. He told the limo driver to stop. This was in in his uh, biopic as well, which was trash, but <laughs> that's a whole nother story. But he told the limo driver to stop. He confronted those two white dudes for harassing the black dude. They pulled a gun out on Pac. He went back to his limo, got his gun, shot at him, shot both of them. Saved the black dude. Come to find out these two white dudes were off-duty cops. They was drunk, harassing the dude. Tupac got off on the case. He went to trial, got off on the case. Now that's gangster. We sit around here and talk about this <laughs> black people, so-called black people, gangster, 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 I'm a gangster or whatever. And we out here gangster killing each other or whatever, but that's gangster right there. When you defending yourself, when you defending another black dude. And I'm not going to really criticize or judge the people who be out here videotaping black people getting murdered, killed, beat, all this other stuff. Because I've never been in that situation and I don't know what I would do in that situation. But my mind is telling me and the fire inside me is telling me is that that if I would have been there and I saw George Floyd being choked like that, I wouldn't have been videotaping. My mind is telling me, and the fire inside of me is telling me that I would have def- I would have helped them somehow. Whether it would have been throwing rocks at the cops to get them off of him, running around to distract them, something. I just wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have felt comfortable sitting there watching him lay there for seven minutes and and die and choke to death. And like I say, I'm not criticizing what anybody else has done or what they did in this situation because, excuse me, they were in the situation. I wasn't. But like I said, what my mind is telling me and what the fire inside is telling me and who, who I know myself to be is that I wouldn't have let that happen. And I was thinking earlier, I was like, you know, what if that would have been my mother? What if that would have been my brother? What if that would have been my father, my uncle or somebody? I wouldn't have let that happen. I would have got up on these cops. I would have attacked them. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have let them just sit there and have their knee in his back and kill him. I know for sure if that would have been my mother. Ah. <laughs> If that would have been my mother or something, you know what I'm saying, it would have been on. And this is not me to just sit here and just be inciting violence or, or riots or anything, but we see so many examples of white people exercising their Second Amendment right to defend themselves with, with firearms and stuff, 
And a lot of us aren't doing it. And it had me just, it put the, put a battery in my back to, to get my gun license again. Because back in 2017, me and my brother took a, a gun class, even though we, we already, you know, had experience shooting guns before that, but we took the class in order so we can get our gun license. Um, you know, but we never followed up after that. And me and him always had conversations. We would text each other back and forth, say, you know, we're going we gonna to go get our license or whatever. Because after you take the class in, in Maryland, after you take the class, you got to go get fingerprinted so you can fill out your application to get your license or whatever. And we never did go to get our fingerprints in order to put our application in. But ever since this incident, particularly the Ahmaud Arbery incident, was like, you know, I got I to gotta follow through with this. I got to go and get my fingerprints so I can get my, my gun license. And it's not to be out here so I can be carrying and whatever like that. It's just so if anybody any anybody comes to my home or anything like that, that I'll be able to defend myself with a firearm. Particularly if they if they if they're coming to me with a firearm. You know? And it's one thing that, you know, I follow uh organization on Instagram, I don't know the particular name, is National Association of, of you know, um, armed arm black people, something like It's an organization for um, black people that um, exercise their, their Second Amendment, and they put information up and stuff like that on, you know, gun rights and stuff like that. And so if anybody's listening to this that's not in Merlin in the Merlin area, and you know, every state has different gun laws and stuff like that, open carry, concealed carry, all that type of stuff. Look at look those, look that stuff up so you can, you know, exercise your right. And it's nothing wrong with that. You know, it ain't gotta be saying you're going out here shooting and all that stuff, but you wanna be legally armed in situations so if anybody comes jumping in your house particularly like the situation when it comes to Breonna Taylor and how her when the cops busted down her and her boyfriend's door her boyfriend shot one of the cops or whatever I don't know if it was one or if it was more but I know he shot the cops and he was in jail for a while and he's just been recently released and Matter of fact, now that I'm thinking about it, right before I recorded, I saw an alert that was saying that one of the officers, Dirk Siobhan or whatever the hell his name was, in the Minnesota case, the one that had his knee directly in George Floyd's neck, was charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter. But yeah, we, we definitely have to start exercising our Second Amendment right because you just never know when something is going to go down where some some crazy, some hateful, bigot racist is going to come around and threaten your life. You have to be in a position to defend yourself. One of the the best pictures that 
I love of Malcolm X that I've been trying to find a poster of is him standing at the window with his rifle. And we got to start just like we we always want to be in a situation where we we following the white people and and what they're doing in society. This is one thing we definitely need to be following is exercising our second amendment right. Arming ourselves to protect ourselves and protect our families and to protect our community. One thing that, you know, uh, uh, just throughout history, we've had so many examples of this is, you know, one thing that's popped up on social media was the the quote-unquote Karen thing and uh, how a, a white a white woman she posted about that you know the the label Karen is is more racist than nigger n i g g e r is more racist than than nigger, and the term Karen comes from basically you know white white women in our history and you know even today have been would lie and call the police or tell you know other people in their in their community that a white person has harassed them or raped them or assaulted them or anything like that and you know but if you've never seen this movie which would be disappointing but no judgment here look at the movie rosewood it's a clear example of the current situation where you know I always feel like, you know, a white woman can be the most dangerous person in America because they can easily just say one thing against you and your life will be in danger. And we had an example of this recently of of that situation in Central Park where the white woman, the black guy, um, he was walking through Central Park doing his daily jog, and he saw a white woman with her dog off her off the leash. And he confronted her, you know, saying that you know that's against the the park rules or whatever to have your dog off the leash. So she, he was recording her, and, and she she threatened him and said that I'm gonna call the police on you. She called the police and said the African. She lied and said this African American man was assaulting her and all this other stuff, while at the same time choking her damn dog to death. So you know the. The um, <laughs> you know the social media got to work, and you know they they find out her information and everything. So the company that she worked for wound it ended up firing firing her, and the um she also had her dog taken away from her. But yeah, it's 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 a struggle out here, and just going back to all this stuff that's going on and everything, and. I'm about to pull out my my feelings, my feelings list that my my therapist gave me. But I'm I'm picking the paper up right now and it and this and right now it's on pleasant feelings, but I got to turn it around cuz I ain't got no pleasant feelings right now when it comes to this. Like I said I got a bit of taste in my mouth. And I I'm about to just go through this this list and just I'm anxious right now. I'm definitely anxious. I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm victimized, I feel victimized, I feel wrong, I feel minimized, 
I'm offended. I'm appalled. I'm heartbroken. It's so many words on this list on the unpleasant feeling side that I feel because of all this stuff that's going on. I mean, I can think back to plenty of times where, you know, I was pulled over, pulled over by the cops and the fear that was over me. I already I was already dealing with generalized anxiety at the time and and social anxiety and stuff. And the the amount of anxiety that I feel in my body just by getting pulled over, even not being pulled over, even when you have a, a police riding behind you. I remember particularly one night when I was going to the gym. Excuse me. One night I was going to the gym. And usually around my my neighborhood is a couple of shopping centers, and usually it'd be like police officers sitting in the the parking lot sometimes but this particular night as soon as i left my house like i saw like four police cars riding around and then when i got to the shopping centers i saw like two other police cars in that area and then i got to a light before i got to the highway and i saw two more police cars i I made a u-turn and went back home i just didn't feel comfortable i did not feel comfortable at all and then and this is something that I hear from a lot of black males all the time, how they get they get anxious and they, they get this fear boiling up inside of them when they see police cars around, you know? And this is crazy. You know, we supposed to be worrying about the coronavirus, but that's the furthest thing from our mind when it comes to, you know, black people is the coronavirus. We worrying about whether we going to get killed or not. We got to worry about... What's going to happen to us? I literally be sitting in my house sometimes and worry about my older brother when I when if I don't know he if he's in the house or not. I worry about you know if it's going to be a situation where I'm going to have to deal with with something happening with him with the police or vice versa, <clears throat> and worrying about if my parents going to have to deal with something like that. If they're going to have to deal with getting a phone call about me or my brother getting beat up or killed by the police or something. I worry about that with my father. You know what I'm saying? This this stuff ain't this stuff is not cool. <laughs> the the type of anxiety that we got to deal with when it comes to that. And even you hear a lot of times when you know this this stuff happens with black people getting killed by the police and stuff like that and you know you got white people coming out and talking about some what about black on black crime or whatever that's that's apples and oranges like my man john said today on the group chat that's apples and oranges <laughs> you know what I'm saying black on black crime and and the police killing black people that's apples and oranges the police supposed to be here to protect us this ain't got nothing to do with it and then you know when i was doing a lot of prepping for this this episode and I was coming across clips or whatever. I came across clips of Tupac or whatever. He was at the gun range, and he was showing all the guns that he had. And he was talking about this this one comment that he made that I really had to sit and think on. He was like, you know, black people killing each other because we afraid, because we angry, frustrated, and, and scared of, because of the black people. I mean, because of the, the white people doing it or the police officers doing it to us. But we we so afraid of of going after them, so we just do it to each other. And I had to sit there and think, like that. Yeah, that could possibly be a reason. I can see that. 
although I think it's other reasons. And I think a lot of times when it comes to living in this country as a so-called black person, we feel so minimized and and devalued that if we see that people in authority can just throw us off as nothing when we get killed or when we get beaten up and stuff. So we got so much in our mind that we learn so much from them and their tendencies and their aggression and their violence and stuff like that, that we pick this same thing up from them. If they devalue us, if they overlook us, if they don't give a fuck about us, why we shouldn't give a fuck about ourselves. Excuse the language, but you got to understand, I got a bit of taste in my mouth. And I think I'm in the episode here. But like I said, you know, I'm just giving y'all just a tidbit of how I feel and the research that I've done and things that I've I've looked up. And I just I just want us to just do more research for ourselves, be more open to what's out there instead of believing and taking in what they are giving us. Because we know we can't trust them. We know we can't trust them. We have too many examples of us not being able to trust them. But we'll sit here and take their stories about us. About us? I mean, it's not making sense. But man, like, download, like, share my podcast. And I'm going to say this once again. It don't take much to share the podcast. I mean, if you're on social media, you follow me on Instagram. I mean, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, whatever, you can just post it real quick. Even if you don't want to associate yourself with me because I ain't quote unquote popular, put it on your story. It's only for 24 hours. Just do me that favor. Come on. And I don't want to be sitting here like I'm begging or anything, but I mean, come on now. We got to. We got to start being in a being in positions where we start supporting each other, even if we aren't on a bigger stage and it benefits us. You know, a lot of times we share we share stuff because it's on a on a higher stage because we we think it'll benefit us. We we think it'll make us look good or we want to be noticed by the person that, you know, that's on that level. But help the help. Help us guys out, you know what I'm saying? A taste to consider podcast, unproductive and unapologetic, unprocessed knowledge podcast. It only take a second to to share my podcast. Only take a second. Put it on your stories only for 24 hours. Do what you got to do. Help a brother out because I know my message is good. I don't need validation from anybody else necessarily, but I just want y'all to get this information out there. Because a lot of people ain't got the guts to do it. And I'm putting myself out there. But like all of you know who are consistent fans, who've listened to the show before, I appreciate you. And I appreciate the people who definitely have shared the podcast because I have seen you and I have reached out to you and I thank you. And 
As y'all know, I always end the, the show off with a song. If I get this up on YouTube, the song won't be up there. But the song is Tupac Shakur, I Wonder If Heaven Got a Ghetto. I love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Peace.
Got a ghetto. 